Yo, 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 what's up, everybody? Thank you for tuning in to yet again another fantastic Indie Creator interview. It's your Caped Crusader, Cody, and we are keeping it geekly with our new friend, Josh Wilson. We're here to break down Twilight Custer and everything in between. Josh, welcome to the stream. How are you doing tonight? I'm doing so well. Thank you, Cody, for having me. Dude, I was so stoked backstage. We learned that we're both from Ohio. It's always like, you know, I love interviewing, but when I when I get when I get the friends uh, from Ohio, it's like that added sense. It's like, yes, dude, like hitting home. Let's go. Yeah, especially we're you know pretty close. So that's yeah, crazy. stone throw yeah. away. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, you know, let's uh, let's get down to who you are. How'd you uh, end up getting into indie comics? So, it's kind of a long story that I've been trying at each interview to like shorten and just keep the interesting bits. So uh, we'll see <laughs> how how I've done, but. <laughs> Um, essentially, you know, I'm a writer first and foremost, so it started a long time ago with like music and then it moved to film scripts. Uh, and then I tried to start shooting like short films and things like that. And then COVID happened and I've had all this, these different writings and such. And I was like, you know, I should really turn these into, cause I've always been a fan of comics. So I was like, I'll turn mm -hmm. these into comics because no one's going to, you know, I've got a drawer full of movie scripts that no one's going to read. <laughs> so it's like turn them into visuals. So it's kind of like, you know, I don't know if people think about this or not, but when you're making a movie, um, you storyboard out the script first. And so honestly, you're just stopping there and you're creating a comic book out of that. And so that's where Twilight Custard came from. It was a movie script first. And then I've since gone and written comics scripts specifically because I really love the medium. It's really creative. It's, it's less of a, you know, it's a smaller collaboration than film would be um and so it's just oftentimes myself and an artist and a colorist and a letterer and we are able to make these stories come to life without you know uh hundreds of thousands of dollars of budget especially for sci-fi stuff you know so uh it really started yeah about 2019 when i started to get serious about it for anyone watching right there is the twilight custer pre-launch page be sure to hit that with a follow we're currently sitting at 61 follows i'd like to at least see, see that hit 70 but if we can get 65 by the end by the end of the interview that'd be awesome guys so make that happen that'd so be amazing. i'm curious you know tell us a little bit about some of those scripts were they all sci-fi or did you venture off into d different genres yeah so um movie scripts in general i've done i've done a lot of like uh dramedy is like my favorite so like you'll see a lot of my comics this one's a little bit more serious but i like to add humor to it too to kind of serious situations if i can make someone in my art laugh and cry especially uh i'm feeling pretty good about myself <laughs> but uh um yeah but you know since i've gone into comics it has gravitated pretty heavily towards sci-fi there's a series that i'm working on uh a pitch for now that's i don't know if you'd maybe call it more fantasy than sci-fi but there's always some kind of fantastical thing going on. And I think that lends itself to the visuals. You know, I actually, you know, I love comic books like Essex County and Blankets and Underwater Welder, things like that, that don't really have too much of a fantastical, like they're just straight up drama. So, you mm -hmm. know, maybe in the future or future, I'll play with that too. But for me, like if you're, if you're able to come up with anything you want visually, um, it's, it's fun to just get wild sometimes. Yeah, you mentioned uh, that you you grew, grew to really loving the the comic script compared to the movie script. Uh, but like, what were some of the other elements that really drew you to uh, scripting comics from uh, you know movies? Just being able to explain exactly what I want to see on a page and on a panel, and then having one of the artists that I'm collaborating with uh, realize that it's just really wonderful to be able to just direct essentially every single piece that you're seeing you know with moving images you can control only so much i mean masters are controlling every single frame but uh, mm -hmm. when it comes down to just visual images on a page every single thing that you see is something that i dreamt up and 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 had created so that's just i, I love that process 
it had to be such a surreal feeling, like getting uh, the first couple pages back and seeing it come to life. Yes, absolutely. You know, when you're going online and trying to find artists, it's difficult because there's so, so many talented artists out there, but each of them have their own styles. And so each project, I think, calls for a different style. And so in my head, I knew with Twilight Custard specifically that I wanted it to be kind of a gritty, hand-drawn, sort of smudgy feel to it. So it kind mm -hmm. of uh, harkens back to the time period a little bit. And so um, I was so lucky to find William. He's just a fantastic artist. And I didn't have to, like I say, direct too much. When he read the script and he sent me back these images, I was like, man, this is exactly what I was picturing. So there wasn't a lot of uh, edits after the fact. That's so that's that's awesome. Uh, and this is a hefty book, too. There There is uh, how many pages again? You know, uh, I think there's about 125 and then there's some extras, so about 136 all total. Yeah. So is this a, a one shot or is this going to be part of a, a series? Like, what are you looking to do uh, with Twilight Custer? Twilight, I made a one shot. So it was, again, it was written as a movie script. So you can sit down and read through this thing and it's just like watching a movie. It's got a beginning, middle and end. Um, if if I found a genie and was able to make wishes, I would uh, <laughs> it would also become a movie after the fact, like mm -hmm. a, a streaming on Netflix kind of thing. Uh, and then I, I you know I have ideas for a second and third installment, but this is very much a standalone story that you'll uh, have a satisfying ending at the end. I think. So give us a little bit about this creative process when you first you know started taking this from a movie script to a comic script. What did that first you know couple steps look like for you? Yeah, um, so that was the very first time I'd ever really dealt with with comic script in general because it is quite different from movie script to comic script, um, just in the formatting alone and such. And so, again, starting with the storyboarding phase, I was just basically taking. Now my you know my process now is much different than when it was converting this into this book. But in that stage, I was just first thinking what visuals from the story absolutely have to be seen. Mm -hmm. And then I would comprise a list of those and I would kind of take it along and um, and kind of split it up into what images need to be seen, what makes sense on a page, what do you not want to leave between pages, you know, what makes uh, sense uh, when you have a, a spread of, of one, two pages next together. And so it's, it's all just visually trying to figure out what needs to be seen to tell the story and then putting the words back on top of that. And I actually had to add some of the um, some of the mono monologue from Twilight because that wasn't in the original movie script, but mm -hmm. um, it needed some more, I think, of his thought process and his feelings added to it as well. Yeah, I really, really uh, love Twilight as the the protagonist as well. I thought uh, his uh, his character like, and you kind of see, you know, certain parts. He seems like such a like a cold person, but then you see certain parts where he he livens up, and it's it almost breaks your heart, right? It almost like makes you like like you know like shake your fist with him in certain scenes. <laughs> yeah, I appreciate that. You know, I I wanted him to be two things. You know, essentially. So he's he suffered a loss before the start of the story that he carries along with him. He's a very sort of um, stoic kind of curmudgeon old cowboy fella who lost his wife and um, who's just kind of I think living out his day to day for the rest of his life not thinking anything else is going to happen just kind of honestly waiting to die essentially you know going to work <laughs> and coming home every day and that's pretty much it uh, and then this android crash lands and he happens to find him and basically the the you know the comparison between the two characters this this all-knowing futuristic uh, android and this, you know, curmudgeon old cowboy from the 1800s. I just knew the story between those two and their interactions and their relationships would be interesting. And the way that he could kind of give him purpose to live again. You know, sometimes you're just kind of 
even if you don't want to, you're forced to start doing things that you don't want to、mm -hmm. do, and it makes you evolve as a person. And then later you look back on it, and you're you're kind of thankful for it. Yeah, I I thought that relationship was it was so unique, but it just clicked so well. What was some of your inspiration for driving these two together? They seem like two polar opposites almost. They do, and that's those are my favorite stories. You know, I mean, like <laughs> this is a, a terrible comparison because it has nothing to do. But some of my favorite, I love buddy movies, buddy cop movies. Like some of my favorite movies are like the Rush Hour trilogy,、mm -hmm. and just when you get two people who are just complete opposites, it's just really fun to hear the banter back and forth. You know,、uh, maybe a more relevant one would be、um, uh, it was called Hell and High Water. I think was a. a, a A bank robbing Western movie that came out not that long ago. Or okay. Again, there's kind of two bank robbers that are brothers, and then there's two cops that are again polar opposites and kind of trying to catch them. And so、um, I just I just love that dynamic. It's one of my favorites, along with、uh, androids and AI. So I kind of married the two. No, I thought it was it was, and the the fact is too. This is an alien from the future, and they're in the 1800s. Like it's it's like even more. You know, it's like they've never seen technology. Like, let alone like a, a cell phone or a TV, but this is a, a whole robot, and、uh, <laughs> yeah, exactly. just like it was just like such an interesting like situation to put them in.、Uh, are you able to kind of give us a little bit more about it?、Uh, I understand not wanting to spoil, so anything you don't want to talk about, that's completely yeah, fine、course. too. So I'm I'm bad with this because I myself personally don't care about spoilers. I'm somebody that'll listen to a full spoiler podcast about a movie、yeah. before I see it, but <laughs> I realize that not a lot of people. Are you、like、watch a、uh, so. Filmento. No, or, I need to、uh, check that out. Yeah,、uh, well, and then who's the other guy? He does mostly horrors. He has like a millions of followers, though.、Um, Is it Flick to explain? Or... I think. Okay. Yeah, YouTube, YouTube.、Um, I, I always like listening to like the ten minute like horror breakdowns. I'm like, all right, I don't have to like, I don't have to suffer through this one, like, because you can never tell which <laughs> one's gonna be good and which one isn't. Oh, that is so true, man. There's there's so much bad horror, and I'm not such a horror fan that I'll watch everything. Like, I love like the kind of heightens. Like, I just watched、uh, Barbarian last night with my wife,、mm -hmm. uh, which I freaking love. That movie is incredible, but it's just, <laughs> you never know when you're going into it if it's gonna be just awful or not. Yeah, like Smile, Smile、uh, just came out. And it's like this. I like. I've read something, and I don't think I've ever read anything more true. They say if it's、uh, <laughs> if it's more hyped, then it's probably not going to be that good. They usually let word of mouth speak for it, like in the beginning,、yeah. the first couple of days. And Smile was hyped and all all hell, you know.、Mm -hmm. Did you see it? Did you like it? Yeah, yeah. So I I liked it. I felt it. Way too heavy. It was like a jump scare movie and like a shock value movie. So it's like one of those. You know what I mean? Like you watch it、yeah. the second time, it's not going to nearly hit as good. And then in the movie theater, you have the ambience, the booming music. It, it frightens you more.、Um, so it's hard to、yeah. say what it'd feel like at home on the couch. You know? That's a good point, though. Whenever you see a movie studio like just hammering the marketing, it's probably not going to be <laughs> not going to be good. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I'm trying to think of what I could give as far as the story is concerned. It's just you know. The the background is very. There's a lot going on in the background. You know, it's it's the 1800s. It's the border of Texas and Mexico.、Um, Texas just got their independence back, so the you know the that border is still so volatile. The, the, there's so much friction there, and so when you know when I thought this this Roswell style incident, this crash kind of spreads debris, something that no one's ever seen across both sides. It just kind of adds to the friction, and so the armies are kind of scrambling over the pieces to see what the hell it is, if they can use it against one another, if the other person、mm -hmm. has more of it than they do. You know, the paranoia behind that,、um, and that could be a story or a, a set of stories all on its own. But to me, that's that's just the background. The story to me is is mostly the relationship between this cowboy who happens to find the android pilot, and they strike a deal together、uh, to help this android 
across the Mexican border to the ship, which is being held behind enemy lines in a fort. Um, and so that that's what I was interested in writing. And I think that's what is the most interesting about the story is, is, is their relationship and what happens with that. I, I love uh, in the beginning, too, there was the mention where uh, they, they, they were talking about the fort, uh, the, the ambush on the fort. And they were like, well, are they going to, you know, what's going to be mentioned of this? Or are they going to you know, write pr pretty much write their own story? And I thought that was a really interesting take. What was some of your inspiration for that? I mean, history is pretty much written by the victor, right? Yeah, you're exactly right. You know, and I like this kind of alt history. Like, obviously, this didn't happen, but the the landscape that's there is very real, you know. Um, in that beginning part, I had everything written and figured out, but I, for several nights, I was so desperate to figure out how to start this thing and how to like mm -hmm. kick it off that every <laughs> night I was like, just let me dream, please let me just dream what will happen at the beginning of this. And finally I had sort of a dream of, of, uh, this attack on this fort and the chasing going on and this stray bullet going through, um, this random house and a scream coming out of that house. And I was like, that is a great way to kind of tell you why twilight is so sad why he's so invested the friction between the war and stuff so that scene kind of to me pulled the whole story and pulled uh twilight's whole kind of like conflict together to me so i was thankful to finally have that gifted to me creatively because i was just not sure how to tie it all together and make it all make sense you know but um honestly you know i, I think I've told this story a couple times, um, but I don't think we'll probably have a lot of crossover of listeners, but the story idea came to me um, from a random band name generator. It gave me, it gave me Twilight Custard and the Busted Deadly. And I held on That's to it. That's good though. That is good. I know. It was so good. <laughs> I, I held on to it for like 10 years because I was like, I love this. I have no idea what to do with it, but I love it. It obviously wasn't going to be a band name, but um, finally I just sat down and I just pulled the story apart from this. Um, from that name specifically. Mm -hmm. um, so Twilight Custard being the main character and the busted deadly becoming the, the robot that he finds and stuff. And so I love that so much. That <laughs> is, I would have never guessed because I was reading it. I'm like, okay, Twilight. I'm like, Custard, where, what's the Custard? You know, yeah. so uh, like is Custard represent, is this just, that just his last name or? Honestly, it is, you know, there's there's Colonel Custard from the, it's not quite spelled quite the same way, but from, mm -hmm. from history, you know, so it's, it just that name was just so it just made so much sense to me and it just kind of like i said it kind of uh rings a bell in your mind of some kind of familiarity but yeah uh, yeah it's just too it's just too good to pass up so uh reading this and, and once again thank you for the opportunity for that um i i really picked up on some really cool things uh uh, during the bar fight in particular, uh, the blurring of words, like, cause he wasn't like, like something was happening and he couldn't like register it. So the, the next speech bubble, the lettering was blurred. And mm -hmm. I was like, dude, this is like, this is, this is next level. This is such an awesome <laughs> layer. And then, uh, to add to that too, I really love the lack of color because when you introduce it, it is mm -hmm. so impactful. It was, it, I loved it, man. Yeah. Thank you. How far did you get, uh, into the uh I read, book? I read, uh, roughly halfway about 55 pages. Okay, cool. Yeah. Cause that color comes in basically, uh, for the readers though, like it, it is black and white. And then when the Android uses his powers, his main power is being able to project images from the past onto the present. And that is a, it, it just fills the page with blue when that happens. And so, you know, uh, it starts out where he is calling back a time when twilight's wife was still alive and so you know it's the middle of the night and this explosion of blue happens and all of a sudden it's like a spring mm -hmm. day and he hears his wife singing in the yard uh and so that happens a couple more times in the story when he uses it kind of as a weapon where you know there, there's another time where uh they're both stuck in a jail cell and he 
uh, projects an image from the past when it was a forest and there's a giant bear there. And so they're able to trick the security guard into thinking that there's actually a bear oh, in the room, or at least like what the hell is going yeah. on for Twilight to be able to knock him unconscious and get them out of the jail. So it comes about a couple of times for them to use that power. Um, and that specifically was why I decided to do the black and white with the stretches of blue is just how can we show this on still images and have it still make sense and be impactful. And uh, that bar scene is another example of that too. I wasn't sure how to make it uh, in a comic book because I knew mm -hmm. visually what it was going to look like uh, in moving pictures. And I knew what the audio was going to sound like with his, uh, with the Android's voice coming through Twilight's mind. Um, and so to write that with the blurred words and the kind of like stuttering of his words as he was kind of coming in and out uh, was challenging to kind of figure out. No, that's I and you know the thing is uh, once you did figure it out it just the payoff was awesome I th I think it, it you just nailed it right on the head we have J Michael Miller over on YouTube stopping in to say it has a great cover and the interiors are just as good let's talk about this cover though what was some of the inspiration for this that almost looks like a giant Death Star behind him I know right so yeah I was so lucky uh, Chris Allen is an awesome graphic artist friend of mine and uh, he doesn't do work in comics he actually works for magazines and uh, he does like he does some band posters and things like that or the most of what he's done uh, t-shirts and stuff stickers and I just knew that I wanted it was kind of a fine line because I I didn't I wanted I didn't want it to look like a comic I wanted to stand out on the on the shelf mm -hmm. but I also needed it to look enough like a comic where people would know that that's what it is but i think that's worked because i put it in a couple of comic shops here locally in denver uh one in chicago one in los angeles and the reason i think people are picking it up is because that comic is that the cover is so interesting and it stands out from everything else on the rack you know it just doesn't look like a comic book to me it looks to me like a like a like a band poster like a tour mm -hmm. photo or something like that um and I kind of just had all the visuals in my mind. I knew I wanted it to be a silhouette of the two. I liked how the the Android's eyes are, are cut out so you can see, you know, the color through there. Uh, and the setting sun, I wanted to have be uh, the image of the Voyager record. So that's what's printed on the golden Voyager record that they sent off into space. That's so awesome, dude. <laughs> and in the story, um, in the story, they don't flat out say Voyager because, uh, you know, uh, the android doesn't know what that's called twilight's never heard of it but he, he makes reference of you know in the future you guys are going to send out this probe you know then is that what it was yeah it's the voyager record and so they the the, <sighs> the aliens find it way way in the future and then they send a probe back by bending time and space and he overshoots crash lands in the 1800s mm -hmm. it's, you know aside from where he was supposed to land and so yeah that that cover image with the Voyager record is just another kind of that's Easter so egg. If you're, awesome. you know, nerdy into space stuff like I am, you'll you'll understand what that's what that means. We so. were literally talking backstage, and I, I remember that part. I was like, dude, I thought that was such an awesome thing, like how you uh, had the the message get sent out from our, you know, from from his from Twilight's point. It's in the future, mm -hmm. uh, and then the robot comes from like way in the future, but it's in the past for Twilight. I was like, dude, like, you know, what type of math did you have to do there? And then understand that it lines up with the Voyager. That just blew my mind, dude. That is so awesome. <laughs> Thanks. Um, I, I did the best I could. Like I said, napkin math. So, I mean, if yeah. you go back and I didn't use specifics of, of the exact years and stuff, you know, but I did my best for it to make some sense, you know. So why, why a Western, though? Out of like any, any like uh, era you could have chose, like what drove you to this, uh, you know, point in time? It honestly just came from the name and pulling it apart and, and coming up with that story, just pulling it out of out of my imagination. And so, um Again, you know, sci-fi is my favorite genre. Um, 
AI and and robots are my favorite character trope in anything in any medium uh books movies anything um and then you know um i have an appreciation for westerns but i'm not like a huge giant fan of westerns mm -hmm. i don't have like you know I, i've only recently gone back and watched some of the um like fistful of dollars series and things like that um but i like you know kind of the more modern stuff of like even there will be blood and no country for old men I but love i just love those yeah just the kind of feel for it i mean that's kind of where twilight's look and mustache came from is is daniel plainview and there will be blood so <laughs> dude that was just... such a powerful move too like that the whole entire movie uh wasn't the one where um who was it uh leonardo dicaprio he like cut his hand open he was actually bleeding when he took oh the that's a pin. django yeah or was it okay i thought i thought it was uh with the bowling pin uh in uh because wasn't no. there a bowling pin scene Bowling pin was in There Will Be Blood, and that's when he beats. Um, oh, what that? What's that? Paul Dano. Name? Paul Dano to death. Yeah, yes. that's uh, okay. Yeah, Daniel Day Lewis. Yep. Well, you know, two two insane roles by Leonardo DiCaprio. I thought that's what where he. Yeah, but that was insane too, where he kept going and then yeah. wiping the real blood on the on on the face. Like I would have flipped out. <laughs> yeah. <that's laughs> for sure. But yeah, dude, there there will be blood. That was one of my very first introductions, and then after that, Gangs of New York. I'm like, dude, this dude is the bomb william day lewis is the bomb yeah if you see daniel day lewis with a mustache stand back, i don't know why i said william that's yeah he's gonna he's gonna be an asshole for sure if he's got a mustache yeah, yeah. crazy murdering <laughs> asshole <laughs> so are we gonna see twilight turn into any of that like does is the, i haven't read the whole thing but mm -hmm. is there potential for him to kind of go off the rails or is he going to kind of be the stoic uh, character you know i won't give away because the ending is 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 very cool to me what what ends up happening it, i think it takes a couple of turns where you think this is going to happen and then it doesn't um but he he has gone through a lot before this story starts and then towards the end of the story he goes through a lot more and so he will certainly have some sort of emotional breakdown and kind of be at his wits end by the end of this thing no i, I and yeah <laughs> i i love uh just with the robot too um, like it, it just from what I've read the robot has uh, it seems like the ability to kind of like keep driving that within him too, right? <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah unintentionally, but yeah, they, they just have so much friction and just so, so much lack of understanding of, of the concepts that uh, the android is throwing at him. He just goes straight over his head and the, there's even a, a line in there where he's just like, you know, you can spare me some of these explanations because yeah, I yeah. just don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> for everyone watching right here is the pre-launch uh, link once again. Be sure to hit follow and uh, stay notified for that. So what are you looking at in terms of uh, Kickstarter rewards? Yeah, so um, I, I, if I could just say too, this is my very first Kickstarter, so I don't know if it's going to either be a success or a learning experience. We're, we're going to find out. Um, I hope to do more in the future with a lot of these uh, other projects that I have planned, but um essentially again this is my very first kickstarter it launches tomorrow um rewards i've got a lot of cool things i've got some awesome art prints i've got some cool uh, uh pins of the uh of the robot that, that look really really awesome um i've got a couple of uh bigger ticket items i've got a copy of the book here signed by uh kevin smith and jason muse oh what and i've got an art print here signed by um Signed there by Mr. Mr. Frodo Baggins there, Elijah Wood. Because um, I did my my first big Comic Con and I was like, let me get some souvenirs and 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 mm -hmm. pitch these on the Kickstarter. And I gave them each a copy of the book. Who knows if they'll one day read it? But I was really That's fun so to cool. <laughs> really fun to go and do that. So That's so cool, man. Yeah, and, and you know, I tried to price it pretty. It's a graphic novel, so the ones that I was looking at Kickstarter graphic novels were. Uh, huge amounts of money that I know that I can't get in my first one. So I tried to make it as reasonable as possible. As far as my goal, it's only, only trying to get 1500. Basically what I was telling you before is I released this book in January this year. 
and tried to sell as much as I could myself. I sold 200 copies in the first six months, and that was where all that I printed. And then I kind mm -hmm. of stopped from there for a moment. Uh, and this is kind of the second phase of what I'm doing with this book. So hopefully recoup some losses with this Kickstarter and um, get it on some more shelves, some more physical copies on on uh, comic book shelves, uh, and also help me get started on some next projects. Um, and then I'm going to also send out some pitches to publishers to see if anybody's interested in that. I know it's hard to pitch a black and white book these days. People want to mm -hmm. see color, but it, it can be done still. So who knows? But uh, yeah, this this Kickstarter will have a lot to do with what I'm able to do in the future how much more successful this book is, uh, and if I'm able to start the next project that I'm excited about as well. No, absolutely. So speaking of the future, you know, what what can we expect from you uh, in the months to come after Twilight Custard? You know, hoping hoping for a successful campaign um, <laughs> after after it successfully funds. You know, what's the next move? Like any other stories? I know you said you, you had maybe some other ideas with this as well. Yeah. So um, again, with this book specifically, getting it onto getting it into more comic book shops and, and sending out to publishers, um, I've got two pitches that I'm working on. So um, there's a five uh, five issue series that I'm working on doing, um, and I'm creating the pitch document for that right now. I'm getting six uh, pages finished of the first issue and going to send out a pitch document to see if anybody bites with that. If if no one does bite with that publisher wise, and that will be the next Kickstarter I do is the first issue of this comic, which I'm really excited about. It's about a uh, a young man who wakes up with like the the greatest powers in the universe, he's the most powerful being in the entire universe, kind of overnight. But he does not at all want the responsibility that comes along with it. So he's like a very much at the same time, all these uh, uh, evil forces are coming into being. He's the only one that can do anything about it. And he's just like basically just so bummed about it because he does not want anything to do with it. So that's that kind would of this... be horrible, though. You know, like, <laughs> yeah, I don't want to deal with this. Like, yeah, exactly. So I, I really like again. Most of my writing has to do with character conflict, internal conflict, and things like that. So that's that's a big part of that. Uh, and then I'm working on a, a big pipe dream of mine, which is another graphic novel that's going to be in full color and probably a lot bigger than this. So uh, I'm going to have to have some successful crowdfundings to get this going. But it's essentially, and nobody steal this idea because it's my favorite one ever. <laughs> but it's about a, um, it's an android Mr. Rogers type who helps usher humanity through the end of existence. So they just I love kind of it. All, all empathetic uh, immortal android character that is with humanity throughout the entire time, all the way to the death of the last human, basically. You know, I keep seeing this thing on, on the internet. It's like the last selfie. It's like an AI, like whatever. And it's like a horrifying yeah. looking face and a desolated world. And I can't imagine what that android would see at the end of the world, at the end of humanity. Uh, it reminds me kind it's of scary. like, a, you ever <laughs> see the Futurama episode where they like keep going forward in time until it stops? It kind of like it reminds me of I've that. I've seen a, a lot of Futurama, but I don't know if I've seen that one. I need it to. It's so it, depressing, right? Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah <laughs> it's never make good. Me cry. <laughs> I know. I actually read this thing. Uh, I'm going to butcher it because I don't remember exactly what it said. But it's essentially like uh, a story about a father and son skipping a rock, talking about how fantastical sci-fi ideas are. And the the dad was basically explaining how if you get far enough in the future, then people who own these flying cars and these robots, thousands of years in the future, are going to look back at what we're doing as just skipping a rock on this lake as sci as, as sci-fi because you know essentially every sci-fi if you get far enough the world is shit there's there's probably not any natural water anymore that you, you know most of the animal life on, on, on mud yeah exactly it's just kind of like yeah if you get far enough along it's just not generally very good unfortunately <laughs> that is that's such a mind-blowing concept to, to think about and, and digest once you really sit there 
Holy crap. So, man, this has been such an awesome talk. Thank you for coming on, Josh. And, and once again, thank you for providing me a copy of Twilight Custer. I can't wait to sit down and finish the rest of it because I'm um, reading up the first half. I was like, dude, I almost got to get ready for this interview. Like, should I call it off or should, should I wait 15 minutes? I, I got to get this thing read. <laughs> well, man, I, thank you so, so much for having me. And thanks, everyone, for uh, giving me a chance, as I know I'm a, a new creator, but uh, I know the community is also just very encouraging and welcoming. And so uh, I'm excited to be a part of that and thankful. Um, and I hope that you enjoy the second half of the book as much as the first. I think you will because it gets even more uh, crazy. So oh, let's you'll go, have to let me go. know. Yeah. So, Josh, before <laughs> we wrap things up completely, though, uh, I always love ending the show on a strong note. And that's with this, you know, with us really focusing on you and your book, at, you know, as the main focus, I love having a little bit for anyone who might be new or struggling and uh, watching the show. So with that being said, for anyone who's just having trouble getting going with either the writing or the art or anything in between, what advice would you offer them to help them just get motivated to start? Of course. Yeah. So, you know, I'm kind of right where they are, except for I'm currently doing that. You know, I haven't, it's, <laughs> this is a, uh, without getting too far into the weeds, something that I struggle with and that drives my wife crazy sometimes is that like, I put a lot of time and effort into making this book and, and having the book in my hands and having a book that I created is an accomplishment of itself. To me, I don't feel accomplished until someone above me tells me that I've accomplished something like, yeah. you know, a like, like a publisher gives me a chance or someone, you know, really tells me to, I don't know, some, some thing that's out of, out of reach at the moment, but Putting that aside, the realistic part of it is just creating something is 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 very difficult, and it's it's more than say you know eight out of ten people do. Every, everyone can have an idea, everyone can start an idea, but if you just keep doing it, you know, I, I'm not a prolific writer by any stretch. I don't, uh, I, I write kind of slow, and I, I I rewrite a lot, and it takes me a long time to get through all this stuff to a point where I think that it's worth releasing, and so. I think the best advice is the most generic of like, if you have an idea of something that you want to create, just spend a little time every day. Don't like get worried about how much it is and don't mm -hmm. be mad at yourself. If you, if you drop it for a week and come back to it, just chip away at it one step at a time and you're going to get to the end of it. And then you're going to be able to do something with that. And if it's in comics, you know, and you're, you're like me, just a writer, uh, if you're young enough and you have, you're ambitious enough, I would say, uh, learn to draw because that will make it way cheaper. But <laughs> at, the, at the same time, there's a huge community of collaborators and people who love comics and people who are fantastic artists who don't want to write or don't have that skill and want to collaborate with you. And so it is certainly possible. And it's just a matter of, again, chipping away every single day and just making the thing, you know, mm -hmm. No yeah, one's going to stop Michael, you from doing that, you know. J. Michael Miller over on YouTube just got you another follow. Thank you, J. Michael Miller. Oh, yes. Uh, thank you so, so much. Bro, yeah, from what I read, you will love this book. I think that's going to be right up your alley. So, man, what an awesome piece of advice, too. That chip away method is kind of what I do, you know, a, a little behind the scenes with Comic Book Yeti. Sometimes I'll get a review. And sometimes, you know, knocking out a review, it, it can very well take four to six hours, you know, like reading yeah. it, dissecting it. Uh, and then giving your thoughts and, and sometimes that could be a heavy load. So breaking off just a little chunk here and there. Um, it's like that quote, you get an ax, you big tree, you five swings a day and that tree is eventually going to fall down. So you just got to yeah. keep swinging. And it's not like, you know, I'm not one of those people that believes in what the uh, hustle culture, I even hate the name of it, but like <laughs> people are like, you've got to be doing it every single minute of every day. I don't think that's the case at all. I think you got to live your life and you've got to cut yeah. yourself some slack. As long as you're doing it at some point, every step of doing something is getting you towards the end goal, you know? And then once you actually have one in your hand, you're going to want to do more, I think. Mm -hmm. Oh, absolutely. That is an awesome piece of advice. Everyone right there is the pre-launch campaign link. Again, be sure to check it out. If you can't 
follow for whatever reason share it on facebook share it on twitter word about this 100 free let's get some more followers for this campaign with that being said it is a lovely monday night i hope you all have an awesome one but most importantly keep it geekly